to the Awesome Friday Games podcast. I'm Simon, and I'm going to talk about a couple of games this week that have really caught my attention. And they're both related because they're both in virtual reality, and I'd like to pretend that I planned a virtual reality special podcast, but it just kind of happened. <laughs> I don't, there's not much planning in the kind of games I choose for the episodes. It just nicely works out together, usually. And that's what's happened this week. So this week... I am going to talk about a game on the Oculus Quest 2, which, yeah, officially it's the Meta Quest 2, but I'm not going to be calling it that. It's the Oculus Quest 2. The fact that it's owned by Facebook is something I'm just going to ignore. And this game is called Virtual Virtual Reality. And the second game I'm going to talk today is Half-Life Alex on my PC. Using the Oculus Quest 2 as Steam VR. Uh, virtual reality headset via a very very long cable basically but the main news this week in terms of uh, gaming news is that after Microsoft bought all of Activision's IP for a ridiculous amount of money everyone was kind of looking at Sony to see what their play would be and it turns out their play was Bungie and maybe you know but Bungie was the developer of the original Halo. They were an independent studio and then they were brought into ship Halo on t- on the Mac. I don't know at that point because Halo itself went through many changes. It was a, uh, a third person game, it was a strategy game, it went through lots of different iterations before it became a first person shooter. And uh, Microsoft saw this potential for selling their first console, the Xbox, and of course snapped up Bungie. So Bungie have been synonymous with Xbox for many, many years, even when they left the Microsoft Studio um, enclosure and went to work for Activision. Uh, And then going independent, but of course then they were responsible for Destiny. And I'm not a big fan of Destiny, but it has a huge following. And it's very popular with a certain... Um, subset of gamers and uh, good for them (laughs) I'm glad they're enjoying it it didn't work for me but I'm not really a live service kind of player I I don't play online I don't have a gang of people to play online with I like stories that have a beginning a middle and an end and looped um, what do you call it quest instances and like this MMO style approach to gaming it's just not anything that's interesting to me at all so I bounced off Destiny, the first Destiny, pretty hard. I don't think I even tried the second one. But Sony bought uh, Bungie, and there was a lot of kind of scratching of heads here because they said straight away that Bungie games in the future are going to be multi-platform. So straight away, they're ruling out the kind of things that Microsoft did when they bought Bethesda, and they said some would be multi-platform within existing agreements, but future games like Starfield are going to be Xbox exclusives and going straight to Game Pass on day one. So I was thinking for a while, like why would Sony buy Bungie if they're not going to use them for just first-party games? And I think the answer is that Sony are about to, well, it's rumoured, that they're about to end the PlayStation Now like digital renting service where you can stream games. It's it's fine. And roll it this in with PlayStation Plus for a new service that's going to rival Xbox Game Pass. 
Xbox Game Pass has become this unbelievable resource of games. I I have an Xbox Series X, and as part of the purchase, I got it from EB Games, who are now GameStop. And GameStop ran the news today because they've thrown their weight into an NFT space. But that's a whole different ridiculous board game. Um, the uh, Xbox is a monthly instalment plan and it comes with um, live, what do you call it? Game Pass, live gold. <laughs> Whatever that the full service is these days. So I have more games than I could possibly ever play. And the number of games on this service, and this was before Bethesda and before they released some of their big hits at the end of last year. It's unbelievable to have access to uh, the, the, the latest Halo or the latest Forza just by turning on your console, just incorporated into what you already pay. And it just feels like a bit of a game changer and not necessarily a fantastic way. There's definitely too much choice. I, I play primarily on my PS5 and when I go to my Xbox, I have got so much choice, I can't even focus on any one thing. And it also makes me kind of bounce off games a lot more um, because they they feel a lot more disposable. But that's a whole different discussion about subscription services and the value of them and how it values the content of them. But Sony have been lagging behind for a while and the huge number of Game Pass signups has really been a wake-up call for them, I think. So they are going to refresh PlayStation Plus and incorporate some, um, maybe some back catalogue, maybe even back to like PS1, PS2, maybe even PS3 in different tiers of their PlayStation Plus. And so when you look at it through that frame, uh, what a writer that I like said, well, this isn't, going to be about exclusives this is going to be destiny on sony game pass instead of xbox game pass and it kind of makes things a bit clearer when you realize that the battle of the subscriptions is really where 2022 is going to be and then there was news yesterday where sony said they want uh like two or three live service games in play in the next couple of years and that's going to be something that bungie's going to help them um create so all the things that I'm kind of not really interested in are all the ways gaming is going at the moment. Um, but on the flip side, I talked about Vampire Survivors last week and um, there's a Mac version coming of that and I've, I've put some time into that on PC and this thing costs like two or three dollars and if you've played it after listening to the podcast last week, which I really hope you have, maybe you're kind of staggered by how addictive that thing is as well with very, very basic graphics. So I th it's really interesting how big top-tier gaming is getting bigger and bigger. Dying Light 2 uh, boasted that it will take 500 hours to see everything. A review of Dying Light 2 uh, mentioned today that it takes the first 12 hours to unlock like a sliding move because the whole thing's built around parkour and movement. And I it, it puts me off just even thinking about trying out that game. If I have to play 12 hours before I get some basic moves, it's just not going to happen. So the games that give me things up front are the things that are drawing me in these days.
so we'll see where that goes. It's very exciting for Bungie to have PlayStation money behind them. PlayStation puts a lot of money in the, into the production of their owned titles or first-party titles or however Bungie's titles are going to be considered. I think anything Destiny-related contractually is already going to be multi-platform, but there's going to be several titles after Destiny that are going to be PlayStation only. They're going to be exclusives. Otherwise, why would they spend billions of dollars on this development studio? It's crazy. So we'll see. But what I'm actually talking about is uh, a, a couple of VR games. And they've really... Well, one's caught me by surprise. And the other, I knew it was good, but I had no idea how good it was. So let's talk about the first one first. And that's a game called Virtual Virtual Reality. And it's on the Oculus Quest 2. So the Oculus Quest is a really, really good VR headset. Um, I actually bought it a couple of years ago and then got rid of it and then re-bought it because there was definitely a, a void in my sort of entertainment <laughs> once that it really f filled really well. I wasn't that comfortable with the Facebook integration, but um, it has some really interesting experiences on there and it's cable free as well. It's untethered at, uh, VR. And that actually makes quite a big difference. So you can wear it and walk around and it, it really aids the uh, the feeling of being immersed in this VR world. And I only bought this game because it was on special. The Oculus um, Quest store is not particularly good. and But now and again they have uh, like a daily discount on something. And it's not usually a lot of money off anything. But it kind of brings things to your attention you would have missed. And this game came up good virtual virtual reality and honestly the title is terrible <laughs> i'm sorry if you're listening um because it sounds like uh just almost like one of these experimentation uh, experimentation vr studios where it's uh, uh a tech demo more than a game but there was a review that talked about it being like portal and it has lots of layers that you you only realize later that there is something very dark and devious going on. And so I really bought it on the back of that. And so shocked by this game to say that virtual virtual reality is the Oculus Quest's portal is not hyperbole. It is, uh, apart from like its very, very ending, which I don't think it really knew how to end the rest of the game is staggering. So the idea of virtual virtual reality is that you are a human who is there to aid AIs in their enjoyment. You're like a human support worker. And there, there is definitely that kind of industrial worker feel that Portal has in that you're greeted by this wonderfully designed robot that's basically a, uh, a cylinder on legs and um, it has throughout some really, really good eye-capturing design. It's Again, it's very reminiscent of Valve's approach in Portal. And basically the idea is that it instructs you to put on various headsets. And each headset takes you to a different virtual environment where you have to do a job for an AI. So that might be replanting their favorite plant or watching the sunset go down with them 
or any kind of number of like inane things. Um, a, for example, a giant slab of butter wants you to clean his kitchen. And to say much more than that would be a little bit of a spoiler, I think. So as you go through the first like five or six jobs that you do and your, um, your rating goes up or down depending on uh, how satisfied they are with you and it's all scripted so there's no challenge at this point it's there's definitely something underlying going on um because some things some messages start getting through to you about uh, a secret unionization of humans like there's a secret group that is trying to uh, get information to you as a player and through interaction with them you gain a set of tools that kind of lets you break out of the AI space and you start hunting for what the answers might be. Now the reason I'm, I'm kind of picking my words very very carefully is that the joy of this game again in the same way with Portal is kind of discovering that things are not as you think they are and being shocked at what you can see and what you can do and how much you can break. <laughs> and so you do find yourself going into these different environments. And a wonderful thing this game does is that each of these environments is behind a headset, but you can put on, you can stack these headsets as much as you want. And you can also remove them whenever you want by putting your hands behind your head physically and pressing the grip buttons on your controller. You can take off the headset as you pull it forward. So in the latter half of the game, um, as you start being much more motivated to discover what's going on and what the true meaning of everything is, the uh, layers you can find yourself immersed in are incredible. I think I was 16 or 17 at one point. My highest point, I had, I think, 16 headsets on at the same time. And... If a character catches you, the controlling character catches you and brings you back and tries to keep you being just a nice, complicit human, these headsets come off one at a time. And so you get this dizzying sensation of being dragged backwards through environments. It reminded me of Inception in some ways, in that you uh, get this feeling of living through different worlds and different times and different areas and then being pulled back through them layer upon layer. It's an incredible sensation, and it's one of those games that would not have anywhere near the same kind of feel if it was played just on a traditional console. So it's one of those VR games that could only really be done in VR. And that's really nice as well, when there's this um, meeting of design and technology, much in the same way that Nintendo did with the DS and the 3DS, um, designing things that could only work on those split screens. This virtual virtual reality would not work outside of a VR headset. And when you kind of push into this game and you go deeper into the layers and you experience its different casts, and it's very, very well written, but there's something about this game as well, is that sometimes it kind of pumps the brakes a little bit and you come across AIs who just want to talk to you and some of it is deeply 
poetic. There's one quite funny one about a character who he's a he's a talking boat basically, or the wheel of a boat. Just there are many talking things in this game. It just happens, and all he wants you to do is stand still and watch the sunset with him while he describes why it feels so good to watch the sunset. And in that instance, if you move, he starts getting really grumpy. He just wants you just to to not move and just watch the sunset. But there's another environment you go into quite early on, actually, where you uh, are like a Godzilla-sized figure looming over a city, and the city speaks to you uh, in a female voice, and as she speaks, all the lights of the skyscrapers light up, and then a parade goes past, and the city tells you what it feels like to watch people in the city, to be like this protector of the people living in the city. And there's really not much you need to do but listen and experience it. And it's surprisingly moving in a way that you just don't expect in that game. Because by that point, you've had giant slabs of butter that like to be sucked. You've, you've had uh, like little handheld windmills that ask to be f- like play um, hide and seek in this really creepy voice. So you've kind of accepted that you're on this weird road but then you have these beautiful moments where it's very reflective and it's actually quite meaningful which really surprised me so of course like portal you dig and you dig and you dig and you find the controller and it's worth saying at this point there's no the thing you find reflects some parts of GLaDOS, but you're not going to get the same amazing writing and experience of meeting GLaDOS and having the payoff. Remember, the original Portal is a perfect game. It's a two and a half hour, three hour experience with a beginning, a middle and end, and it is a perfect game. I would say that virtual virtual reality doesn't stick the landing in the same way. It has trouble, I think, knowing when to end and how to end but it does have an ending in fact (laughs) it has an ending that feels very muted until you realize that you should never assume you're out all the way and it it was driving me crazy until I watched a a walkthrough video and the guy did one thing and I was kicking myself because it's so obvious (laughs) to do this one thing and it's all within the rules of the game that have been established there's nothing new you have to think about and the the there's two there's a couple of endings there's a good ending and a bad ending and the the good ending is is happy and the bad ending is utterly terrifying <laughs> you don't get that wonderful moment at the end of portal where you know things have stopped like at the end of this game there is a continuation of sorts even with the happy ending so I would have liked a bit more of a stronger ending, but the reflecting over this game and at the end you can then replay any of the sections as well. And I, I'm sure there's other hidden areas you can find. This is an incredibly in-depth and detailed game that is really, really well written and all the environments are really well designed. And it has actual meaningful moments like full of pathos and... Uh, reflection and um, I wasn't expecting that at all 
So if you own an Oculus Quest, I guess one or two, I have a two, but I think it's compatible with the one, then I highly, highly, highly recommend this game because there's nothing else like it in the VR space. This is their portal and um, it's worth the money, definitely. So that's virtual virtual reality. So let's move on to our second game. And this really came about for a couple of things happened at the same time. The first is that I looked on Amazon to see how much Oculus Link cables are. So I'd last seen one and it was about $120. And this is basically a long cable, a high speed USB cable that has USB-C on one end and USB-A on the other. And it allows uh, allows you to plug in your Oculus Quest into your PC and have it just act as the headset so the PC does all the heavy lifting. So I made a couple of assumptions. I thought that maybe the Quest couldn't do it or maybe my PC wasn't powerful enough. Um, and then I checked the specs and I checked other people using my specs and it seemed to be okay. And then I found on Amazon, in true Amazon form, I could get the uh, the branded cable for $120 or I could get another cable for 30 and have it delivered that day. So um, thanks to Uncle Jeff, I got that delivered the same day. And I'd heard many people talk about how amazing Half-Life Alex is. And so I casually looked on Steam to see how much it is. And uh, this was during the Lunar New Year sale. And if you own Steam, you know exactly what's going to happen next in that I don't know what your Steam library is like, but mine is um, a, a walking wall of shame um, that keeps getting added to. So it was 50% off. So I bought it. <laughs> because Steam also has a fantastic refund policy uh, that um, I've used the refund policies of a couple of online stores. And without naming names, a couple of the other ones really really let me down uh in a way that i wasn't very happy with hmm. <laughs> shall i name the names but uh steam is as long as it's under two hours and within oh god i don't know two weeks of buying it or under two hours of playing it then you can get a no questions asked refund and i'm sure i've had a refund just over the two hour mark before so it kind of takes away the stress of will this work on my computer because I knew that if it didn't I could get a refund straight away. So the cable arrived and I downloaded Alex and then I found out I had to download Steam VR and then I had to download the Oculus Windows app to enable it to as a, like a pass through. So each of these steps is like well this isn't going to work like there's clearly I'm I'm asking too much of my setup. But uh, I managed to get it working and I, t I started Half-Life Alex, and it appeared in my headset. And so I also thought, well, the frame rate's not going to be usable. And then I started playing it and I realized this isn't just usable, this is good. It turns out I'm playing everything on minimum. All the, all the details are set to minimum and I did have a play around with this. And honestly, the level of detail when you go up the scale, I went to medium and there was a slight increase in detail, but the frame rate 
um, the animation of the other characters and the frame rate took a bit of a hit. And so I, I found my comfort area was playing on minimum with the highest um, frame rate because I actually, I actually feel that like I've lost my VR legs a little bit. I was getting a bit of um, motion sickness recently from playing VR. And the staggering thing about Half-Life Alex is that I have played this game in, in like hour long chunks at a time and it has not made me feel sick at all. And there is, uh, there are options in this game for the type of movement you want. So I've opted for uh, turning, like flicking turning, but moving um, smoothly. And so I've taken off some of the, the comfort controls or restrictions and it just feels fantastic. So Half-Life Alex is a prequel, oh, I believe, to Half-Life 2. I, it's been so long since I've played through Half-Life 2 in the episodes. You'd have to correct me. But uh, her, her, her friend who, uh, Eli, who, spoiler, dies, is a, very much alive in this. But anyway, it's in the city, City 17, I think it is. And it is like full invasion and... If you've played a, head, uh, a Half-Life game, you know the deal. It's headcrabs and gravity and um, physics and puzzles and moving through the world. And the difference with Half-Life Alex is that this is all now in VR. And playing this game makes you realise that the Valve are just top of the game. When it comes to level design, audio design... The UI and UX design is absolutely sensational. There has been so much thought and professionalism poured into how this game plays. It is staggering. I have never experienced a VR world as complex, as detailed, and as authentic as playing Half-Life Alex. The way you move around the space and the way you um, can interact with objects like creak open doors with your hand just like you would in real life there's this wonderful um feature that you get very early on which is like a, a gravity glove where you basically point at something and then flick it towards you so i guess you don't it stops you having to move around the space to pick everything up you can just see something and flick it towards you and it's got quite a wide range and the way that feels, it feels like you are putting exactly the right amount of pressure into that flick to flick it into your hand. The design behind that action is so natural, it's staggering. And so when you get into this game and you are, you're being attacked by head crabs and you've got your left hand up to grab a head crab and swat it away whilst your right hand is trying to fire the gun into them and then it's you need to reload quickly by flipping the clip out and putting a clip from behind your back and slamming it into the chamber and and, uh, and readying it for firing again as the head crab is about to attack you again. And then you empty that clip into the head crab. There's lots of complex movements going on here and it all feels the most natural thing in the world. I've never experienced anything like it. It makes me really wish that I could hire like a gym and paint the limits of my VR space as wide as I could and just move around the space like it was an actual space because you can play at room scale 
Although I've been playing it sat down in my chair, in my PC chair. Which helps because it, it rotates, it's a rotating chair. But this game is perfectly fine being played sat down in one space. I've also played it, I've cleared the space and um, played it standing up. And it's equally as good. Uh, the intensity of moving through these alien areas and hearing the danger around you and seeing it come towards you and physically like pushing it away is incredible. I, I said, maybe on Twitter, maybe to my friend, that comparing Half-Life Alex to other VR games I've played is like putting a Van Gogh against a crayon drawing of a cow. It just feels like a different league on every level. Other VR games like often do one thing right. Like they have their one tech showcase, whether it's like hand tracking or like flying through the space or like gun modeling. And it does that very, very well. What Half-Life Alex does is that it takes 20 or 30 of these singular uh, ways of moving and interacting each of which you could build an entire game around and just puts it all in one space and somehow it's not overwhelming there's you have this multi-tool to unlock things and when you use this multi-tool it often projects um like a hologram of a lock and you use your two hands to manipulate this lock it's often like you hold a globe with one hand and you might rotate a piece with your other hand. And it's just like future. It feels like Minority Report. And I don't know if it's because... Well, I mean, it must be because my PC is able to provide higher resolution, higher detail than whatever's inbuilt the Oculus Quest. So it also helps that I've never seen VR at this clarity before. But it is utterly absorbing. Like it feels absolutely like you're there in real life. And it's not just the the in, the way you interact with the world. It's the detail as well. You can pick up lick, uh, beer bottles and look at the liquid as it froths inside. And then shake it and hold it to one ear and then the other. And the sound passes around you. And you can do the same with match boxes as well i've never shaken so many matchboxes in my life just shaking them next to one ear and then the other and just throwing it on the ground and when you're looking for objects you can find like a box or a crate full of objects and grab the edge of that bucket and tip it upside down and use your other hand to like push objects aside and everything reacts at it as it should in real life there is no uh jarring feeling of it being a virtual space it's absolutely incredible because of that it, it can get quite intense as i've mentioned earlier and so there's definitely been a few moments where i've bent over double the waist and taken a good deep breath usually after uh i've killed a head crab or um, i've managed to push away another walking zombie type thing and of course shooting in first person shooters is very different than having to aim and you realize that your aim isn't actually that good. <laughs> so you waste so many bullets trying to shoot this thing and that just adds to the, uh, the stress and the pressure. But um, I can't wait to push on with this game. And uh, unfortunately, um, if you go to my uh, Twitter handle, which is Temporary Pen, 
you can find a link to all the work I've done on my website, which I believe is temporarypen.com. I wrote an article about the gnome from Half-Life 2 episode uh, 1 or 2. And uh, when you find the gnome at the beginning, if you carry it to the end, you get an achievement, you get a reward. I carried this gnome so far and went through so much and in the end he got stuck on an invisible wall and I had to abandon him. And for many months that gnome became my game of Half-Life. And at the beginning of this game, when you get your gravity gloves, you find the gnome buried. And I'm like, oh no, please don't be something you can carry. And you can pick up that gnome and carry it with you like a little baby in your hand. And it just brought back all those memories of hours throwing the gnome and driving up to the next section and then grabbing it and throwing it further and carrying it and... Um, using the game's physics against it to try and rescue my gnome before a certain door closes. And so I'm going to... I've left the gnome for now because I want to enjoy this game first time through. I'm going to finish this game, but I'm already planning my second run to try and get this gnome to the end. And that's the power of a Valve game, isn't it? Like, they make games that you want to play and replay, and this is no exception. Um... It is an incredible showcase for virtual reality. It's an incredible taste of what could come with the future of VR. PlayStation VR 2 is... Is is it coming out this year? We'll definitely know more about it this year. And that's got high specs as well. So if Half-Life Alex is indicative of the kind of experiences we're going to get in VR, then it might finally, finally do the thing it's been promising to do for years and years and years and change games completely and hopefully be more accessible as well get that price point down a bit so more people can experience it so yeah if you have the ability to run half-life alex i really could not recommend it enough it's astounding so that's it another recommend so both recommends today um i think most of the games i talk about will be recommends because they're usually the ones i'm really enjoying so thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast as ever i really appreciate your support that could just be going onto your podcast site and leaving us a review it could be sharing this link or it could even be uh, going to our patreon and uh, tipping us a few dollars just to keep the site running any kind of support you give us is massively appreciated. So I hope to see you next week with another gaming podcast. Before then, you'll hear me at, on the weekend on another uh, movie podcast. We've got a really exciting one this week. I won't spoil yet, but it's um, it's going to be a really, really good one this week. So uh, hopefully you can tune in then. And it would be great to uh, see you and hear, see your feedback on the site as well if you've got anything you'd like us to cover so thanks very much for listening and i'll see you again soon bye